Revolting is produced by The Cycling Independent, with the support of subscribers like you and additional underwriting from Shimano North America. We are community-focused, community-supported, and dedicated to the whole of cycling. Always remember, at The Cycling Independent, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. With Steve and Robot on this like cycling independent <laughs> <laughs> Cycling Independent episode 71, the new and improved problem. <laughs> Content warning. <laughs> You're not gonna like this podcast unless you like swearing and immature humor. Point. <laughs> Pointless, dig- pointless digressions, bikes, skateboarding, loud music, and wait, what were we talking about? Whatever. Shut up and go away. Uh, hello, robot. Hi, Steve. Uh, what we got? <laughs> we got cooking here is the seventy-first episode of the Revolting Podcast, and uh, we're recording on a different type of day than we usually record on. I've been out of town for a grip. And we just had to like do a crash course and jump right in with some shit that we were talking about last week, uh, which we will get into uh, in just a moment. But before anything, how you feeling, robot? You said you were not uh, on such a good one a little while ago. I'm low key enraged. I did a pretty good bike ride this morning and then I didn't eat enough food. And because before the bike ride, all I was thinking about was the bike ride. I didn't do any of the work that I was supposed to do. So I came back from the bike ride and instead of eating, I drank coffee and banged out a whole bunch of work. And then I had to do the other podcast and then I had to do this podcast. And in between, my kid was like, oh, if you don't take me to volleyball practice, I'm going to be late, Uh, which made me mad. But then he told me that he sat on a ketchup packet at lunch and got it all over his pants and backpack. And I was like, "Okay, all right. And then I got back to my house And I get out of the car and the kids who live at the end of the street. Now, I live on a dead end. I live on a dead end. I'm third to the end of the dead end. And these kids live at the dead end of the dead end. And they today have a lemonade stand. And so I got out of my car kind of pissed off about the whole thing, except for my kid sitting on the ketchup packet, which made me laugh and then he was like he was like don't say i fucking hate ketchup don't say it's just like tomato sauce because it's different (laughs) so i was i kind of amused by that but then i get out of my car and the kids are like we got lemonade and then i had to do that thing where i was like i'm not coming to buy lemonade from you because i have to go upstairs and talk to steve but i'm super hungry i just was mad i'm just mad it sounds like a low blood sugar thing it's definitely a low blood sugar thing, but then I'll be honest with you. We had our little, we had our little pre-recording talk, you and I, and I felt cheered up because we did have some laughs. And then you farted during the intro, which listeners should know is actually what happens at the end of every show, like right after we sign off. 
Stevel is just like the um, New York men's gay choir of farts after we finish every podcast, pretty much. That's not true at all. That's, it's not, that's true not true a little. at all. It's, it's true it's, a little. It's true a little. I think, <laughs> I don't think there's a funnier sound in the whole world to me. I think the sound of a fart is just... It's just fucking hilarious, and it's it's like a it's like a punchline, you know. There are ill-timed punchlines, uh, which I don't think are funny, and there are ill-timed farts, which I don't think are funny. But man, if you get them, <laughs> if you get I them don't in, know. I think an ill-timed <laughs> fart is funnier than a well-timed fart. Uh, well, I mean, I, I suppose it's just all about like intention. That's what makes mm-hmm. it funny to me. Like, if you just, you know, you're if you're. If you're smart, if you're smart about it, <laughs> whatever. <clears throat> well, <You're> yeah. <laughs> oh. Oh, I mean, man. I think farts. The a fart was the first joke. It was the first joke ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maybe I bet uh, you're right. I mean, it's just it's just funny. It's just funny. It sounds funny. You know, it sounds funny. It's a funny thing. It's, I, I don't, I think they're, I think they're great. I, I'm a big fan of also. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Fuck. Ugh. Okay, so, uh, now what do we do? Music pick of the oh. week? Yeah, let's do music pick of the week. Okay. Um, I got... I got mine lined up, sort of, not really. I have not really had that much time to listen to music this week as I've been in the Bay Area all week until late, or very, very early this morning. Uh, Chris McNally and I had our book release on Friday night, I guess. Friday the 17th, if that's correct. That's uh, That was St. Patrick's Day. And... Um, and then I just kind of been like hauling ass ever since. Got back late. The storm, a real big storm came in, and I thought my flight was going to get canceled, and which it was fine um, because at least I wasn't the gaggle of knucklehead kids in line to Bellingham, uh, thinking that they were going to L.A. because uh, that <laughs> was hilarious. And they were about to get on the plane, and they were like, "Oh, Washington State? What? Like, what the fuck are you doing?" Uh, so anyway, got back here and then I've just been running around crazy all day. So I do have a couple of records that I just went in to say hello to Corey Blackwood at Ritual Records in Bellingham, Washington. And I said, I'm not going to spend any money because it's not my responsibility to help Corey pay rent or his mortgage. And then I walked out of there having spent $130 on a fucking (laughs) half, like without even breaking a sweat. So... I'm just pleased that um, it has only taken 71 episodes for you to remember the name of Corey's record store. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I was thinking about that before we started recording. Like, get it right, get it right, get it right. I was about to say some some other R word, and that was... I got it. No, I think I got it on lock now. Oh, uh, so what did you get at Rectum Records? Well, (laughs) I had a special order um, uh, of... Elvis Costello's, I think it's this first record. I don't know. Uh, this year's model. It's an early, early one. 
Um, and I don't own any Elvis Costello and I really like early Elvis Costello. So I ordered that one for myself last week. And then while I was standing there, I looked across the room and, and, uh, listeners can't see this, but it is the amphetamine reptile release of boss hogs first album. Uh, boss hog of course being, uh, John Spencer and his wife, Christina's band that they did together after pussy galore and, and when i saw this john spencer blues explosion yes long before uh when i f- saw this record because there is w- one that they put out on uh oh man what was uh what was pussy galore what label was pussy galore on like dutch east india trading or uh, shit i don't it's know it's definitely not going to come to me but it's a it's a photo of Christina and she's got big black hair and like thigh high boots and just is a vision. Um, and I used to have that record, I think at some point years and years and years and years ago. I've since lost it. One, two, three, four go records in Oakland posted a picture on their Instagram. They had it in stock one copy and I called them and they said, Oh, somebody just walked out with it. So oh. as I'm standing, talking to Corey and I look across I see the image across the room and I was like, holy fuck, I'll take it. And then it turns out that it's the amphetamine reptile release, um, the print or the cover and back cover of which were um, relief prints done by Tom Hazelmeyer himself. So that makes it extra fucking rad in a different way. But I wasn't going to buy it. And now I did. That's a record that I recall very distinctly. You're leafing through the records. You know, you're just leafing. You're just leafing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, listeners can't see this, but I'm making a leafing uh, motion he's with doing, my hands. He's doing a lot, a lot of air leafing right now. Air leafing, yeah. I'm air leafing the records. And then you get to that one and you're like, Yahtzee, what? Yeah. Yeah, she's ravishing. A uh, ravishing beauty. She is. She is. I used to, I went to school with a woman who... Um, uh, who babysat for them in New York. She used to Naturally. be their babysitter. Yeah. 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 As, as, as one does. And she said, they're both really, really cool. John Spencer and Christina both were super duper cool. Yeah. Um, and that but, they made that good music. I was not a big fan of pussy. I mean, I'm a fan of pussy galore. I have, I don't know, two or three records, but it was like quintessential New York noise rock. Yeah. Right. And then pussy galore was a lot more polished. I wouldn't say boss hog. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, Boss Hog was... Have I been saying Boss... I have been saying Pussy Galore this whole time, or did I say Boss Hog at any point? You said Boss Hog at the correct points until you stopped saying until, it at the correct until, points. Until just now? Yeah. Okay, so comparatively, it is polished, but it is still, like, explosive and noisy and all over the place, just not as explosive, noisy, and all over the place as Pussy Galore was, but... Right. Yeah, so this is Boss Hog's first album. And I don't even I don't think it's got a name. I think it's just self-titled. So those are my picks. I haven't listened to either of them because I just sat down and and we started recording. Uh that is interesting. It's interesting to me that you and I are so often in musical pick sync, even though w- during the week we don't communicate about music that often. I mean sometimes mm. we do. I guess we do sometimes, but uh, this week, I am picking the classic PJ Harvey record, Rid of Me, mm. um, which I 
Yeah. And she's she's awesome. A force of absolute nature. She's like tiny. She's a tiny little person who makes so much sound come out of herself. Um, and I I listened to this record, I think last week, my friend Megna, her her daughter is in fifth grade and her daughter writes songs and they're very sweet, very nice songs. I'm very impressed with the level of her songwriting. Um, like fifth graders shouldn't be able to write songs like that. But um, as an inspiration, Megna played PJ Harvey rid of me for her, which I was like, that is a bold move. I don't know if that's a fifth grade record, but awesome. Um, I, it's a record I love. I particularly love the track Yuri G. Uh, a friend of mine, some friends of mine had a band called Ambush at Junction Rock and they covered Yuri G and their cover was great. The original is great. It's just a good record. And I think it's another one like um, for the younger people in our listening audience, both of them, uh, you, they might have <laughs> missed. They might have missed uh, PJ Harvey and they should undo that. They should unmiss. She's so great. There's a there's a, a live clip of her. She's got this big like, I don't know, like a hollow body Stratocaster or something. And she's got this red, like dark red dress on and like knee high boots. Uh, it's a, did I say it's that the day of the green day at day on the green concert? You did. And it's, but now you um, uh, I don't remember the name of the song, but it was like, it's one that's, you know, completely aligned with her. Like it's the sun. It's one of five songs. And when you think PJ Harvey, that's you're like, that's, that's the th song I'm thinking of. Yeah. I um, mean, it's just so fucking, it's such a brilliant version and she's just, she's just unfazed, you know, she's just like, she's just there delivering the word of God to it, it, all listeners. And, but like kind of with a sneer on her face and kind of like a Mona Lisa smile, like, yeah, yeah. You know, like I, I fucking rule everything and it's cool, whatever. I can take it or leave it. You know, it's just the whole performance, the, her entire, the air about her, uh, I guess it's just, yeah, she's she's unreal. I she's unreal. Her. I love her I, to death. The word <clears throat> deliver is actually the exact word that I had in mind because she does. She stands there and she just delivers this stuff to you. Yeah. It's it's not even like a performance. It's like this is what I'm doing and I'm about to deliver I'm about to give you the word. Um Yeah. <clears throat> also, just in like really awesome dynamics. Uh, I'm a big fan of like loud, quiet, loud, and she's really good at actually oh. quiet, loud, quiet, but yeah. Uh, man, that's the truth. Yeah. Um, well that's, uh, I think I, I support again, like I do, I support our music picks. We have great taste in music. We do. We do. That's uh, probably why we're the number one podcast on the internet the number one podcast on this particular channel or maybe not even that maybe we're number two but we're one of one or two for sure definitely uh, what do you top. say we take a word a break and get a word from our sponsor and then we can get on with this shit show do it oh hey it's story time with steve -O. in 1992 i lived in denver with a couple of bike punks named mark dickerson and dave strunk they were both ex-messengers who worked in shops around the denver area 
And one thing that Mark imparted upon me was sort of the importance of Shimano as an entity in the industry. He would go on at length about the painstaking efforts they would put into every product they brought to market and his enthusiasm for Shimano as a company, as well as the products that they made was undeniable and infectious. It was really at that point in my relationship with it as a company that I fell in love and I never looked back. So forever and ever, happily ever after, Steve-O and Shimano sitting in a tree. And we're back. Back. Okay. This episode is about how a company can make a perfect thing, sell loads of them, get you well and truly hooked on them, and then for no reason we can figure either decide to change them for the worse or just get, a, get rid of them all together. I mean, what the fuck? What the fuck? Uh, I... I wrote a piece on the All Hail the Black Market website of, shit, 10 years ago, just about well, planned obsolescence. 13 years ago, I think. 13, 13 years ago. <laughs> because I love, what did I say? Five years ago? 10 years ago? Yeah. It could have been, it could have been a year ago. It could have been 13 years ago. It doesn't could have fucking been 10 matter. 10 minutes ago. The point is valid. Because I still feel the same way. And I, I it's about, you know, like there's a helmet that, Jiro made called the Numo, and I love that helmet. And I would, I would be, I would be happy to wear that helmet until the end of time. But then they stopped making it, and they replaced it with the Aeon or the Eon. I don't know how you pronounce it. A E O N, I think. Yeah, I think it's the E A A. Yeah, you're right. I had one of those Eon, and it was it was okay. I mean, all their helmets are great. I'm not saying it's just that this is the one. This is the one that I want to always wear, but now I can't wear it because they don't make them anymore. And, you know, similarly with shoes or similarly with cranks or similarly, what the fuck? Uh, Oh, so I just found this place. I think it's called Leathersmith or something. And they made, I had a belt, a leather belt that I had made probably 13 or 14 years ago with my name tooled in the back and painted. And I wore it and it's so ragged and I couldn't find a new place that made this particular kind of belt again until about a month ago. And I measured my belt cause I don't know what size belt I wear. And it was a little bit of a gamble. I hate buying stuff off the internet cause I don't know sizing. I want to touch it. I want to touch it and I want to try it on maybe. And I want to smell it. I want to, you know, I want to, ha- I want to have like an experience. I, I can't buy stuff just based on the picture. And this belt showed up. And this belt is so fucking rad. It's so perfect that I feel now compelled to buy like two or three more of them. (laughs) Because Because this is your belt for life. This is my belt for life. I don't like, I I always joke, you know, like I know I I look like if you saw me on the street, you'd be like, uh, maybe homeless or something like something's up with this dude. Like, it's just like, I'm not real. I'm a, I'm kind of a polished turd. I think physically, like, you know, physically or how I present myself, but I am hyper, hyper particular about how my hat fits, how my pants fit, the style of pants I wear, my shoes, my socks, like all of this stuff. I fucking hate. You're an obsessively curated turd. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. Uh, With my bike stuff. 
I'm really particular about tires. Before the gravel thing exploded and you couldn't find a 32C knobby cross tire because the UCI said nothing could be, there couldn't be a tire bigger than, what, 28. And so I was talking to Bruce Gordon at the time, like, I want a 40, I had a whole soul, I had a Soulcraft dirt bomb frame and fork set built around a Richie, I can't remember what they were called, but they were 45 C. Oh, yeah. Yep. And then um, and then they stopped making those. So I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't even get the fucking tire I wanted for this frame. And a and a pan racer fire was 52 and it was slight it was too big. And I was just like, God, fuck. So I was gonna I was talking to Bruce about opening a mold to make a tire for myself because nobody and now thankfully gravel happened and now there's knobby the tires exist. of every size, but um I am. I got. I'm so particular about all of this shit, and the bike industry is notorious for getting you hooked on a thing and then being like, "Fuck off!" And they go and make some other thing that's totally incompatible. And I got two examples that are just killing me right now. But we well, can the, get into question that. Question number second. one is: Name three products. Bonus points if they're bike related that you absolutely love that disappeared suddenly and for no reason. So we'll just go ahead and loose your cannons. Well, we've talked about Arnett threats before the <laughs> glasses, and uh, <clears throat> I you love still those. haven't sent me a pair of those. I know you have ten <laughs> or eleven pairs. But yeah, I found a some somebody on eBay had like a a suitcase full of them, so I bought a bunch of them. Um, Carumba double barrel cranks. I was trying to get Paul component to make me, uh, an EBB compatible <laughs> double barrel crank <laughs> with a through axle for a single speed. I'm they, sure he was like, Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. We'll spend the engineering and tooling time on that. <laughs> Come over tomorrow. <laughs> no big whoop and make one pair of cranks. And it's only going to cost you $5,000. Right. Um, uh, what was, um, let's see. Okay. Glasses. Oh, and this one's not, not, not bike related, but, uh, Rotring made a mechanical pencil that I've used since I was in college. And, um, it had the little silver stinger on the end, you know, that the, the lead comes out of when you drop it, if you drop it, it'll break that thing off. So they redesigned it. So that the whole silver part sort of extracts. It looks like a ballpoint pen almost, and it's much more durable, and the lead comes out of that. They stopped making that. And so then I'm on a fucking hunt, because if that's if the pencil I have is the last pencil I'm going to own, I then scoured the fucking planet. And I had pencils coming in from France and Germany and all over America. So now I have like 10 of these fucking mechanical pencils. And they had stopped making them. They started making them again. And now they're not the same as they used to be. So, like, it was a perfect design. Just keep, stop trying to reinvent the wheel. When you got it, stick with it. Yeah. Well, this is kind of my thing. Like, oh, you sold out <clears throat> of that thing. That should have been a sign to you that it was a good thing. That mm -hmm. you should make it again. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, I have a great pair of shorts and a great pair. We've talked about this before. I have this pair of shorts and, and, the, and the matching pants from the Giro New Road thing. I think they were called mechanic trousers and mechanic mm -hmm. shorts. And they're just like these heavy cotton canvas, uh, th th thin cut, slim cut. 
pants and and uh, I can't wear real baggy stuff because I got bow le- little bow legs and it makes me look like a circus performer. Um, I'm not against performing in circuses, by the way. Like if there's an offer, that's if there's just someone the out lo- there. It's just not the look you're going for for yourself. That's right. That's not the look. So anyway, they made these really nice ones. And I don't even know how long ago those came out, like maybe 10 years. And I still have them, but I'm starting to wear a hole right where um, my business is. And that's going to be a problem. It's the new road stuff was so great. And the optics program that Jiro had was really good, too. The only other glasses. I had some zeal glasses that I liked real well. I lost those. Or they got broken or something. And of course, Zeal stopped making those particular glasses. So then I went to some Giro glasses and those were fucking awesome. And I think I lost a lens, like a lens fell out somewhere or something. And so then, and then Giro was like, oh no, we only did those for like, we only did the optics thing for like six months or a year. And then packed that in and fucking went on to other stuff. And so I'm like left with this awesome pair of glasses with one lens that I guess, I mean, you, I could go to a glasses store and have them make me a lens for the glasses. Uh, but it's, you know, it's, it's just, so I guess what you and I started talking about this because, uh, I currently, I, I have an also like a first generation, all city nature boy. And last year I was in Portland and the dropout cracked, which apparently that dropout, the, all of those dropouts broke at some point or another. That was the one with the Hennepin Bridge profile. Super cool looking dropout, but just not very functional. So I gave I gave friends at All City a call and I said, hey, do you either have a replacement frame or do you somebody have one of these dropouts? Like I can get a, that's the rad thing about steel bikes is you just drop the frame off with a frame builder and they can put put your shit back together so do you have one dropout all i need is a dropout no okay so i figured it out i gave it to greg heath at donkalope and he he kind of buffed it out and it's it's holding but it's not going to be a forever sort of a fix then two weeks ago uh the rear axle on and my hub breaks and uh, I think, oh, no big deal. I'll just knock this out and put a replacement axle in. All city, for the hundreds of thousands of these hubs that you sold, do you have small parts? Nope. Hmm. Okay. So I start calling around shops, like all over the country. Anybody. Uh, the hub, uh, a co-op. No, it's not a really a co-op. It's the hub here in town. They have just, it's like a bike junkyard palace. Um, like they got deep drawers of everything, nothing. Um, I think maybe Amanda Batty said she found one in her stuff in Albuquerque said she was going to send it, but I haven't seen it yet. So I don't, I don't know. I've called, I've called, uh, like a parts manufacturers. I can't get a hold of the company that made the hub to begin with because they're in like Taiwan or something. So, so this is what I'm saying. Like I break the frame and all city offers me a crash replacement, but all that means is I get a new frame, but with the new frame, I need a new fork. And with the new fork, I need a new headset and a stem and bar and brakes and a wheel set. 
and a bottom bracket and cranks. <laughs> so I break my frame and I have to buy a brand new bike. That doesn't make any sense. I break an axle. I have to build a new fucking wheel. Come on. That doesn't like that. Just there's nothing reasonable about that. And quality. I talked to quality several times and they're like, I don't know what to tell you, man. Quality bicycle products. Right. Which is the umbrella for all city and many other of America's favorite bike brands. Yeah. Like Surly and Salsa. And do they still make Foundry? Probably not. Oh, I don't know. Whiskey. They do whiskey parts. Whiskey parts. Um, They got a lot of brands. They got a lot of brands. So I just, it it just leaves me kind of feeling kind of hollow. You know, this is just the latest in a series of, of uh, situations where I say, oh, no big deal. I'll just replace that thing. Oh no, it's a proprietary thing that no one in the last eight years has seen or heard of. And so I'm just kind of like, how many other customers are just like left holding the bag? I used to get so mad about this. I wanted to make two comments. First one is that you're ridiculously tenacious. I, I, I break something or lose something or whatever. I do a single eBay search and then I'm like, oh, I just better lay face down on the floor. It's fine. Like it's over. <laughs> well, that's um, part of my problem is that I love if when I get the thing that works, I want to continue using the thing that works. And I have this whole bike that still works. I just need 173 millimeter axle with shoulders that are 86 millimeters apart with a 10, uh, with a whatever one by 10 thread pitch, whatever. And like, are you fucking kidding me that that thing doesn't exist? Right. Ah, please. <laughs> um, I forget what the other comment I was going to make was. <laughs> Sorry. Why <laughs> <laughs> so wasn't you very tenacious? Oh, I used to get really exercised. Like, so I worked, I don't know, for a while I was trying to be good at bike industry and I was reading, I would read Bicycle Retailer and like the industry stuff all the time. And <clears throat> what happens at all of these companies virtually is that they're putting out press releases. Now you don't see most of those press releases cause they're super fucking boring. And, um, really the company's just hoping someone will say something about them in the press, which is understandable. It's free advertising. But anyway, so you would get one of these, uh, I would see one of these press releases and it would be big bike company X. They all do it. So you can insert anyone's name. Uh, has this new arrow handlebar stem system uh, that is proprietary and it only fits on these bikes. And I'm like, every single time I was like, get fucked. Please, please stop making parts that I know you're not going to continue making and nobody else makes. So, Mm -hmm. you know, like they're asking people, uh, especially on arrow bikes, to spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on a thing that will be just a pile of garbage if it breaks because the parts won't exist. Nobody can make the parts because they come from a mold that only that company has access to. Like, guys, get out of the wind tunnel and 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 get into reality. Yeah, we're becoming and then you become wholly reliant and the company doesn't give a shit. If you're wholly reliant on them for this one little thing, 
And then that it not being able to get this one little thing means you need to get a whole new thing. Like, but it's better for them, you know? Yeah. I, I, I really, I see right from the beginning, like I'm maybe I'm just too cynical, but I don't see like, Oh, that's a cool thing. I think you're trying to lock me into your ecosystem of bikes and parts. Mm -hmm. And that is a thing that will never, I will never do. Yeah. Well, Kind of. I mean, if <laughs> I'm 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 locked into a bike with rim brakes, you know how fucking hard it is to find a wheel set, <laughs> a one thirty five. I know millimeter wheel set on a on a uh, on a hoop with that I can use for, with rim brakes. Oh my yep. god! Oh wait a second. Uh, let's talk about how fucked up carbon fiber is. Everybody's so stoked about carbon fiber. And when you break that and you send it back to the manufacturer, you know what happens to it? It goes into a fucking landfill. They throw yes. it in a hole. You can you can get carbon fiber fixed and there are companies that that do repair. But do you think if you send, you know, however many dozens or hundreds or whatever carbon fiber swing arms, frames, forks, whatever, you think the manufacturer is doing anything with that except for putting them in the earth? I have to break the third, fourth, or fifth wall. I'm not sure what it is right now because I do in in part of my other work. I uh, I I work on some carbon fiber parts, and there's a company called CSS Composites, uh, which was started by a former NV founder. And CSS Composites makes thermoplastic uh, carbon fiber, which is basically bonded with nylon instead of epoxy. And the product, the carbon fiber product that they make, which is called fusion fiber, actually is recyclable. Uh, they put it in a hopper, they chop it up, they heat it, and they make it into stuff. So a company does that. A or company that, does that. Yes. That, and that's, there are, that's proprietary for them. That's right. But they sell, well, they sell, for example, the company I do work for is Chris King. Chris King's wheels, they're, they, Chris King designed wheels are made with fusion fiber because, of course, Chris King is a fucking hippie who uh, has a stomach cramp every time he thinks of something being thrown away. But so Chris <laughs> King's wheels are made, but it's not like, it's not a, an exclusive deal. Anyone, I think anyone can buy fusion fiber instead of traditional carbon fiber. But to your point about traditional carbon fiber is yes, all that stuff is future garbage. Uh, and uh, the, I mean, the only, you know, large manufacturer I ever worked at was Santa Cruz. And that was before they did any carbon fiber, anything. And all the aluminum stuff that came back went to the recycling plant. Yeah. And I was, I was really happy about that. But then I know like how many companies like carbon, carbon fibers is the hot newest, not hot new, but it's the hot <laughs> ticket, the hot ticket. I think in the world you and I live in where things move in decades and not years, it's the hot new thing, but go on. I didn't want to get a carbon fiber fork and Steve Gravenitis said that a carbon fiber fork will be monumentally better in terms of resilience than a steel fork. And it's funny because, and knock on wood, I haven't had 
a single issue with carbon fiber forks and I have collapsed uh, two steel forks like a hundred percent at the worst possible time and like crashed everybody out around me. And the, one of the people who made one of the forks, I sent him a picture of my bike completely like accordion in on itself. And he said very like quietly. And so he said, are you in the hospital right now? Because it was, I mean, it was, you know, it was fucking dire. Uh, and I've never had an issue with carbon fiber forks, you know, but I'm like, so whatever i'm i'm a hypocrite i hear the more of your stories i hear the more and you and i have never ridden bikes together but the more stories i hear i envision you like the grizzly bear on the tricycle at the circus (laughs) uh when i got my (laughs) you're just a brutal animal on a tiny little (laughs) when i got my ridda uh my friend joe said that it was like a gorilla fucking a swan, which I appreciated. That's a fair analogy. Yeah. This beautiful, <laughs> svelte, clean, pristine, fast, standing still road bike. And then there's just this hairy block of a human being, like trying to break <laughs> it with every pedal stroke. Certainly. Uh, I mean, okay, so I'm not saying I hate carbon. I just hate that it's not a sustainable material. No, no, I have a, a, I have a single carbon fiber bicycle and I love it dearly and I have carbon fiber parts and whatever. Um, I do think it's not awesome. It's awesome in its performance, but it's not awesome. It's typical human shit, right? Where we're like, we made cars. It makes everybody uh, economically independent. You can uh, take Sunday drives with your family and eventually they'll kill the earth. Exactly like that. That's how humans do things. (laughs) Well, bicyclists are, you know, are we? we Someone will even be like, this is going to kill the earth. Are we environmentally conscious? Like, are we an environmentally conscious group? What are you? What are you gesturing? Humans? No. Oh, I th- sorry. I thought you were making oh, hands. I was gesturing because signals. we had a strange pause there. Mm, no, that was just both of us not talking. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, got yeah. that all. Got that all <laughs> resolved. Classic dead air. Uh, why uh, do you think question this? Question two. Why do you think this happens? Realistically, companies have reason reason reasons for discontinuing a product. What do you think some of those reasons are, other than? Stupidity? Did we kind of cover this? Kind of. Why? Well, I think, I think to be fair, to be fair to many of these companies, uh, I don't actually, I don't know if this is fair or not, but many of them outsource this bullshit. They are actually not manufacturers. They contract out manufacturing and then they may lose a supplier, uh, they're, the price from the supplier may go up and they say, well, fuck this, we're not going to make it anymore. There's a lot of things inherent in our funky-ass supply chain that make stuff like this happen. Mm-hmm. Well, especially after, like, everything went upside down uh, through 2020, all of 2020 supply chain stuff everywhere broke. Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, but you know, I'm also like, I'm not asking for, I'm not asking for, 
I don't feel like I'm asking for the moon here. I'm asking for support with a simple product that they made boatloads of. Yeah. And, you know, the frame, notwithstanding, I thought it was kind of ridiculous that I had to buy an entirely brand new bike because I cracked a dropout or I have to build an entirely brand new wheel because I broke a hub axle. Yeah. Uh, that just seems, that seems excessive, you know, but, and it doesn't, I've, I've broke, I've broken stuff for years and you just swap it out. It seems like things have changed. Things have changed. There's too many, there's too many standards. Oh, that's a whole other fucking conversation. Yeah. You know, like how about we just stick with 60, 68 and 73 millimeter cartridge bottom brackets. How about we just stick with, oh no. Okay. External bottom brackets with a through axle. I can dig that. Just leave it at that. That's a perfect design. Oh no, we got it. That there's two, two, there's it creaks or like ISIS design was proprietary. I don't even fucking know. And now there's, you know, whatever Cervelo now has this new, you know, proprietary design for their, uh, derailleur hanger, but there's a whole like drivetrain that's, I think if I'm not talking out of my ass, which I probably am, is specific to that frame design. It's just exhausting. It is exhausting. Because it's not making anything any better for anybody. And as a mechanic, as a mechanic, as a person who worked in a shop, wrenching, keeping track of the standards and all of the numbers and all of the compatibility or incompatibility issues. Fuck, I haven't worked in a shop in oh so long and it was hard to handle it then yeah like uh, there's no and there's no support shops uh, we've talked about this before unless you're jim potter at vecchio's you own the shop and you just have this weird savant uh uh encyclopedic knowledge of how all of this stuff works which very few mechanics in the world do, but as a, as a, like a high end neighborhood shop, you have to know so much stuff and a neighborhood shop doesn't have the money to send a mechanic to all of the clinics that they need to go to, to stay boned up on all this new season in and season out. But at least they're, at least they're getting rich doing it. So, you know, I guess neighborhood shops. yeah, Yeah. They are the real, uh, they're they're the they're they're probably going to be the neighborhood bike shops are going to be the first businesses uh, to, on uh, Musk's Mars, you know. Yeah. And all the billionaires. Well, you know what's what's hilarious? You watch any like a credit card or credit card commercial or a bank commercial or whatever. All these like the prototypical small business in a commercial and a. Com- commercial advertisement is like a local bike shop. They go in and the guys behind the counter is like, oh hey, and they make them look like. It's either a coffee shop or a bike shop. And they're like, oh, hey, whatever. Like, as if anyone with a brain would own a bike shop. I have a lot of friends who own bike shops, and I love them all dearly, but it's the worst move you can make. Some uh, A bunch of years ago when I was working in the industry, someone said, oh, you're doing this uh, to, like, learn a bunch of stuff to open a shop, right? And I was like, oh, fuck no. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Just I've, I've seen too many people get broken, you know, like, and this was before I was even really like too deep in the mix. I saw 
you know, people opened bike shops because they loved bikes. And then it, and then, and then they, then they became, they became so resentful and the, the system breaks them. The industry breaks them. Yes. The manufacturers break them. Definitely. The manufacturers hate the bike shops. That's the only thing I can conclude because so many of their decisions are aimed at destroying local retail. Yeah, well, Trek and Specialized, like they're they're in a race to the bottom in terms of supporting or not supporting independently owned businesses. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's fucking gross. So why do we think this happens? I don't know. Greed. Maybe. Yeah. Greed, greed but, stupidity. Uh, engineers do amazing things, but guys, you can sometimes listen to the engineer too much. And simplicity, simplicity is not necessarily the enemy, you know, like yes. you can't find a, a bike with rim brakes anymore. You can't, just, you know, like a nice, a nice bike, not even like, not even high end, just mid range. It's just, it's disc brakes or nothing. What about the um, couple seasons where <clears throat> disc brakes were um 142 front 135 rear what about all those bikes <laughs> that Where got built they? with 135 rear spacing and are now i mean yeah. through yeah, those wheels they, they now? <laughs> forever <laughs> uh, hopefully they have like uh, pro- also have proprietary nipples so that uh when you break a spoke you have you actually just have to throw the nipple away or and then like begin to systematically swap them out with standard nipples yeah i did i had one of those bikes i did have one how was it i I loved it it was great there was no i i I ended up selling it to someone who enjoyed it but i um you know i was like i don't i this is this bike is like a vestigial tail on the industry the industry has abandoned it and so i'm gonna move it on uh, in the hopes of, you know, there's a little bit of musical chairs to it. At some point, the music is going to stop for this bike, and I want to have a seat. Yeah, I, I, you know, it, okay. This kind of transitions into I was I was at the the this shop called the Hub today, looking for the aforementioned axle, and I was talking to Kyle, the guy who owns it. And he was talking about, you know, you like, it's my bread and butter is to, to take all these bits and pieces and make nice bikes out of them. And then four years down the road, I end up pulling them out of the river. Somebody brings them in and they're like, they've been neglected and left in the backyard. And it's like, I put all this effort in making this thing, you know, something that someone would love. And maybe they did for a little while until it became a nuisance or an inconvenience or whatever. And then they abandoned it. And I'm back here like doing all of the work all over again, you know, uh, like there is a real disposable nature. And we, by the way, I should, I would like to mention that we are talking about bikes a lot. I think making up for the other 70 episodes that we have not talked about bikes at all, even though it's there's at least podcast. 12 episodes worth worth of bike bullshit in this one. So yeah. Yeah. So never again after this, uh, yeah. but there's a, there's sort of a, the disposable nature again with everything you know, nobody, nobody saves up and saves up and saves up. And this is going to be my forever bike. 
you know, this is the bike that was built for me, or this is the bike that like, I was thinking about this today. I was looking at my, my blue collar, fat tired cross bike or gravel bike or adventure bike or hybrid bike or whatever the fuck you want to call it. And I was thinking, because I'm always thinking about like, what's, what's life look like if I were to disappear today? Like, what does the world look like? What kind of an impression have I left behind? What kind of an impression do I hope to leave behind? Does this compel me to make me a better, compel me to be a better person or to strive to be a better person? So on and so forth. So I'm looking at my bike and I'm thinking, where is, where's this going to go? Like when I die, if I die tomorrow, like all my shit's still going to be here. Like, where does it go? And do I love my stuff enough to, so that someone is going to be thrilled with the concept of getting this thing that I loved and put my heart and soul into and spent my best days and my worst days on. And does that kind of energy convey or transfer to an inanimate object? And can someone else pick up on this? It's like that red violin, the movie I haven't seen, but I'm pretty sure I understand the concept. <laughs> and, it's and the same plot as Jurassic Park. Go on. <laughs> do people, do people think about, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to say nobody does, but I don't think people look at consumerism through a lens that like this shit doesn't go anywhere. You know, it doesn't just disappear. If you throw it away or take it to the thrift store or whatever, it's going to be around. Every chip bag you've opened is still in existence somewhere. (laughs) Every fucking Lego Star Wars toy that you lost or got thrown away or destroyed or whatever that still exists. You know, we are, we are burying ourselves in our own shit. So how do we in whatever it, it, it's, it's such a far gone conclusion at this point, we could stop everything that we've done for the last 80 years today. And we're still totally fucked. But in an effort to make in an effort to make or to leave the smallest footprint we can how do we engage with the things that we buy and how do we engage with the things that we own and do we want those things to continue having healthy happy um beloved existences beyond our time with them and personally I would. I mean, I, I apply that to artwork that I make. I apply that to things that I buy. Anything that exists that has my stink on it, I want it to not be a thing that is disposable. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have tried to do that. Like, I have three titanium bikes um, that are custom built for me. Uh, now I worked at the bike builder, so that made that possible, but those are not any more expensive to acquire than a high-end carbon fiber bike. Um, but they will definitely last a lot longer promises. I promise. Um, and those are my bikes for life. Like I don't, I mean, I'm 51. I figure I have three, four good years left on the planet. Um, and I'll be riding those bikes that whole time. And then likely somebody else will after you. Well, they'll be, they'll, they will continue to be viable, uh, 
I mean, I don't know, even know how long. It depends on how long the industry continues to support, as we said before, the standards that the bike was built to. Right. Which are which are all very straightforward. Um, it almost doesn't matter, though. I mean, that's like that's that's what I, where I thought you were going with that. As it comes, this conversation comes full circle, and you say, "Yeah, people are going to be loving these bikes forever." Oh, unless they stop making inch and an eighth headsets altogether. Right. And then and then what are you going to do? But there's, so, I mean, inch and an eighth headsets. It's kind of ridiculous because that's been there are billions of those headsets on the planet. And so worse comes to worse. You're yes. not going to have to like you're not like I'm not going to have to buy up a bunch of inch and an eighth headsets in the event that somebody stops making stuff. But, uh, you know, circling back to what we were how we originally or in the lens that we originally started looking at all of this stuff. I find the things that I like if I thought there was even a whisper that inch and an eighth King headsets, for example, would go away. I buy a shit ton of shit ton of them. Yeah. I just, Andrew Kemp from Shimano, just, he was like, Hey man, you need anything? I was like, well, as a matter of fact, I do. My drivetrain is completely destroyed. You know, I've got one 11 speed chain and I don't have any cassettes because man, manufacturing, again, manufacturing got all screwed up and people were telling me like, yeah, we're not going to have any cassettes until 2024 or whatever. And so I had an opportunity to get my hands on a couple of cassettes. So like I even hoard little things that I'm sure there's going to be, uh, you know, nice 11 speed cassettes made for years and years to come. But don't what be if- sure. What if there isn't? What if there isn't? I, I hate, I hate that I, I hate that I do this, but I've been proven time and time again that if I find a thing that I like, I have to get multiples because inevitably they're going to go away. Facts. Right? Yes. All right. God, that horse, that horse is dead. We could keep beating it for a while, but I think it's dead. I think um, I'm sure that other people have similar experiences or ex- similar perspectives, or maybe people just are going to listen to this and be like, well, that's why, that's why you get, you know, a 26 inch wheel. I mean, even like old stuff isn't compatible with new stuff. And so no matter what kind of, what kind of thing you're we're talking about there's some other variation and it's there it's all subject to discontinuation maddening maddening yeah uh so we didn't really resolve anything with that but do you want to uh we'll get into the final yeah let's let's get to the would you rather before we bomb everyone out even harder although the would you rather might bum people out too probably Although in are a much you, more amusing way are you feeling better than you were 54 minutes ago um i am i definitely am and i think what happened was i was in a bad mood and you were in a bad mood but over the period of the last well, however many minutes i realized oh no he was in a worse mood than me i wasn't in a bad mood you're so oh. used to me being in a bad mood that you think that i was in a bad mood but i wasn't in a bad mood i was oh. just a little harried i just been running around crazy Oh, yeah. Not in a bad mood, though. I mean, I'm in a great mood. I have had I've just had an exemplary five days. And then I'm back here just buttoning stuff up and, you know, washing my clothes so I can get back on the road. Jibber jabbering at me for an hour before you go back to whoring your wares. Um, I'll probably 
I'll probably go have some soup with my mom and dad, and then and then I'll get oh. then I'll get back on the road. That's so nice. Uh, incidentally, speaking of whoring wares, before we do the would you rather, go to the All Hail the Black Market website, uh, the marketplace there, and buy the book Nowhere Fast uh, by my friend Steve Wool and his friend um, the Scorps, Chris McNally, who I don't know, uh, but dresses better than Steve Wool. It's true. Chris is great. And he's, he's so unassuming. He's like, you know, bespeckled to be speckled. Bespectacled? Uh, bespectacled. I wish he was bespeckled. <laughs> <laughs> he's bespectacled and he wears, you know, kind of nice clothes. He's just like, you wouldn't look at him and think like, oh yeah, you know, he's, he's real quiet. He's real soft spoken. He kind of, you know, he's kind of like plays with his hands and looks at his feet. And he's kind of sheepish. And then you put him on a bike and he is a holy fucking terror uh, and just a wildly talented artist to boot. Yes, that's that's a fact. My God. I like it's sort of. It's it's embarrassing to me, like how. I, I, I will. Oh, we've talked about this before, you know, like I want to be I want to feel like I'm good at something. And I finally get to a point where I feel like I'm good at something. And then I look just across the room and there's somebody who is so much better at the thing that I want to be good at or that I fancied myself as being good at than me. Comparison is, is the theft of joy. My friend Steve will told me that. Right. Fuck. Yeah, you're right. The other thing I'll say is that you are part of the the very best podcast on the Internet. We talked about that earlier. That is uh, an observable fact. So <laughs> I, uh, I, I love I love looking at like. Uh, there's this one Italian painter. I can't remember his name, but I I was thinking I was like, this dude is like he is the he is the height of fine art. He ha he is mastered his medium, uh, the 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 content, the expression, the everything, everything. I look at his work and think it's it's perfect. Just like I listen to some bands and I think it, they make perfect music that fits. Yes perfectly into my ear holes or yes. uh, Al Columbia is an artist, a graphic, a graphic novel. Fuck. I don't even know what you'd call him, but he's an artist whose drawings are perfectly creepy. They're perfectly executed, the narrative, everything. And I think I want to be, I want to be that good at something, but then I know that those guys or those women don't look at the work that they make and think this is as good as it can be for me. This, I have made a perfect thing, drawing, sure. painting, song, sure. whatever. That's right. Um, so with that in mind, sometimes I think, I wonder if people look at all of the shit that I do and think, how can any one person be so mind numbingly mediocre at so many fucking things? Maybe Def definitely nobody thinks that. Definitely Maybe. nobody thinks that. That Maybe and not. now you're going way too far. <laughs> now you're going way too far. And if you're not careful, I'm going to pay you compliments. And I know you hate that. So let's get on to the would you rather. Nobody wants that. Nobody okay. wants that. Would you rather sleep yes. in a tub of macaroni and cheese every night? And this isn't a hot macaroni and cheese. No, nope. this is probably 
when you make that much macaroni and cheese, it's probably a little congealed. Maybe the bottom stuff is starting to, to turn a little bit. Uh, so would you rather sleep in a tub of macaroni and cheese every night or every time you reach a sexual climax, <laughs> you, you get a pie in the face? <laughs> <laughs> now, oh, man. I'll tell you, I wrote this one today. Um, I ate a box of macaroni and cheese. Uh, I ate a back, my, back, box of macaroni and cheese this morning, and I'm not proud of that. Uh, but then I started thinking about sleeping in a tub of mac and cheese, and I was giggling to myself about that for a while. And then I was like, oh, well, this will have to go in the would you rather. And I was trying to think of something. (laughs) Oh, that's good. I would definitely take the pie. What? Yeah. Every time you reach sexual climax, you're getting a pie in the face. Yeah. It'd be like, it'd be like, it'd be like orgasm, orgasms at, at a Gallagher show. You know, you're just getting fucking lit up. Well, that I can relate to. <laughs> it's just getting lit up with food. Uh, but, I mean, it'd be hilarious because you'd be looking around and you're like, oh, the pie guy isn't here. I can really, I can, I can bust my nut. And you do it just like. I can sneak one out. Ka-chow, a big, a big pie, a big cherry pie right in your kisser. I think yeah. that, I would take pie. I mean, I love pie. Pie's delicious. I do like pie. Uh, and I would, and I do also really appreciate uh, sleeping in a bed. Uh, I think, imagine the breakouts, um, if it wouldn't be warm. Yeah, I think I've, I've fallen into a classic would you rather trap where both alternatives amused me, but, <laughs> but the choice was too obvious. <laughs> Also, when I oftentimes when I'm having sexual relations, uh, I'm I am hungry after. So Uh it's actually partially a solution to a problem. Think about how much money you'd save on pie. True. You know, all the money I spend on pie. A couple guys like us spend a lot of money. I don't know, probably like two, three thousand dollars a month on pies. Uh, And yeah, and you don't have. That t- that takes a bit. That takes a bite. I mean, I. How much is a pie? Ten dollars. A cheap pie. I've seen much more. I mean, pies run the whole gamut. You got your yeah. savory pies. Like maybe you're getting a hot chicken pot pie in the face sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> you maybe wouldn't have to buy groceries again. I mean, of course it depends. Oh, and then we're not talking. You don't have to be having sex with somebody. You could just be having sex with yourself. You could. You could. Yeah. I mean, it could be a snacking technique. It could be uh-huh. just a daily win-win. <laughs> I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm feeling a little peckish. <laughs> so, I feel a little peckish if you know what I mean. <laughs> so it's so stupid. I'm going to drop out, rub uh, one out, <laughs> and get a pie for free. <laughs> you could be okay. in a room full of people and be like, is anyone hungry? <laughs> <laughs> BRB. And then your friends would be like, I don't want any pie. Like, you said you were hungry. No, I don't want any Uh, of that fucking pie. uh, The the one person that hadn't hung around before would be like, Yeah, why doesn't anybody want the pie? And then you come out and go, Oh, you got to eat it off this guy's face. (laughs) His glowing glowing face. Maybe Uh, it's our restaurant concept. 
Anyway. Let's, chef, let's just stop it. Thanks for listening to Revolting. Uh, we don't know why you keep doing it, but we appreciate it. Uh, you can do us further solid by subscribing to the Cycling Independent. It's just $3 a month. Or by dropping a few bucks in the tip jar on the Cycling Independent store. Uh, big shout out to Shimano for helping us keep this enormous ball of yarn rolling. So on behalf of Cycling Independent and the Revolting Podcast, I'm Steve. And I'm Robot. Don't forget to suck it. Thanks. Got you. Got to me.